Earbud Media. Audio for everyone. Uh, for real this time now. For real? For real. For real? <laughs> yeah. Okay, hi. I'm Shayna. And I'm Bryce. And this is Charmed, Charmed a Spellcast. Hey, you listening there. Have you heard about the witches with the really nice hair and a penchant for 90s style and kicking ass and taking names when names are worthwhile and knowing? fight like girls in this patriarchal demon infested world they're the charmed ones they're the charmed ones they're the charmed ones charmed a spellcast yeah cha 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 that's that's my imagining of what my playing sounds like yes, that's vocalized. How we, we cut in the theme song and that's we don't cut from our opening to the song we just let this play and, <laughs> and just drop the song over it i feel like they're getting an insight into how we visualize things this is the process this is this is just the process okay so hello hi before we get into our review mm-hmm. our recap Right, so we're going to make probably this like opening bit where we just talk about some things to set the scene, mm-hmm. or talk about some things before we get into the actual main bit of our content, and I think we want to call that segment Manor Keeping. Yeah, like the like housekeeping, but for the Hallowell Manor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Woo! Um, I would just like to mention a little thing. So we have 10 five-star <gasps> reviews yes. on Apple Podcasts, on iTunes. Thank you so much, everyone. Thank you. So collectively, we have 50 stars. <gasps> <laughs> We've accrued so much star power. Oh, wow. Um, so I made this announcement on my own, just like personal Instagram, and then also on our Instagram, at Charmed Spellcast, which you should be following because it's so entertaining. Um, but... If you leave a review, it can either be on Apple Podcasts or on SoundCloud. Um, but if you do that, um, and if you screenshot it and send it to our email, which is charmedspellcast at gmail.com, and like let us know who it was who did that, because it's a little hard to tell who's actually leaving mm-hmm. a review just from the way Google Play and Apple Podcasts make it possible for you to leave your review. Um, we will make you a personalized jingle and play it right here on the show. Um, and here is an example of what that jingle <laughs> might sound like. Bryce Wong, Bryce Wong. Bryce Wong's got her sparkle on. Bryce Wong, Bryce Wong. Thank you for being the best. I love it so much. <laughs> Big fan of that jingle. So we have a few reviews. We have like six or seven which is amazing only one from me and um this is the way that we actually get suggested as a podcast to Mm -hmm. other people uh the way apple's algorithm algorithm (laughs) the way that apple's algorithm works is that it takes the podcast with the higher number of reviews and of ratings and it suggests it so that's the way that people will actually find us So I just wanted to read a few of our reviews out. I don't know who they're from because um, we we don't get actual usernames. Uh, But I just wanted to shout you out and say, if you already left a review, screenshot it and send it to us so we can make you a jingle. Um, But I love this one from Space Punk Scully. This podcast is so good and magical. Can't wait for more. That's so cute. Thank you. Oh. Very short and sweet one from Power of Three. I need more of this quality content. Oh. I don't know what you're seeing, like what, what you're hearing, what you deem as quality. I mean, I'm very happy to encourage any delusions that you may be having. Yes. Oh, yes. I'm encouraging them completely. Also, we had a few reviews saying that people had never watched Charm before, oh. but now they're watching and listening because of this podcast and that's the best thing i could possibly think of we've had a couple of informal reviews via our uh instagram story replies that have mentioned that and that's great and i'm so glad that you're like are getting into this new piece of media because of our piece of media you should also leave a review though on uh, (laughs) (laughs) podcast uh small note um so i just looked it up and google play actually does not 
uh, allow any ratings or reviews. Oh, <laughs> There's well, no system mind. for that. I read this like article that was like, are you wasting your time on Google Play with your podcast? And I'm like, well, this is the only way I can listen to my podcast, so I don't think it's a total oh. waste of time. But we can't, we can't actually um, hype ourselves up using that app, but you can still listen to us on it. Yeah. Or SoundCloud. SoundCloud's SoundCloud. great. I love SoundCloud. And we're not on Bandcamp, but I wish we were. Mm-hmm. I wish we were a band. <laughs> what? A, okay. Mm-hmm. New podcast. New podcast. We're a band. That's the, it. The Charm 2. Oh. It's catchy, no? Uh, one day I hope we can get on Spotify. Help Charm to Spellcast <laughs> get to Spotify. This is the real issue in today's economy. Yeah. Political circus, whatever. What is it called? Political theater? Yes. Yes. As a poli-sci major, <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's not me. I'm not the poli-sci major. It's John Maltar, one yes. of our listeners. Shout out, John. Love you, John. <laughs> Ooh, help. Okay. Future lawyer, John. Future president of America. Which America? The America on the moon. <laughs> John Maltar. Okay, just wanted to give a shout out to a cool queer thing that happened yesterday, last oh, yeah, night. yeah, yeah. Um, so Switch and Play, which is a drag burlesque troupe um, that has been going for more than the last decade, I think, mm-hmm. um, they had an incredible show at National Sawdust called Switch and Play Family Values, which was a tribute to the Adams Family Values. And the uh, femsi, uh Miss Malice, gave this incredible introduction and analysis of why queers love spoopy shit, Mm -hmm. which is essentially that it celebrates the Ah. non-normative. And she said it much more eloquently than I will, but I just wanted to say how much that meant to hear that and to hear it spoken rather than just thinking about it. And um, they had an incredible show. So if you're ever in New York, Check out Switch and Play. They're amazing. And I think it was incredible because you saw it at the National Sawdust, which is like a theater in Brooklyn, and that's not their normal venue, so they've really like oh, yeah. stepped up their game. That was that was the first time they were at National Sawdust, and they sold out. Damn, that's really good. That's the power of queers loving spoopy shit. I did not attend with you. I was pretty wiped. Um, I was supposed to go hang out with my roommate, but I was too wiped to do that, so I just stayed at home. But this whole weekend um, has been load-in for the play that I'm helping stage manage. And load-in is kind of where you build the set. So you went to the National Sawdust. I am currently covered in sawdust. Oh, I see. What My a, God, what she's a not lying, folks. <laughs> what a weekend for the theater. She is covered I know. up to her knees in sawdust. Indeed. And that was your manner keeping for the day. Okay, so... Should should we get into it? Yeah, let's do Okay, so um, what we normally do is we start with an overview of the entire plot, going through it from the three different perspectives mm-hmm. of the three sisters. And then what we're going to do is briefly list a description of each scene and then decide whether we want to talk about something important in that scene. And if we do, we'll stop, we'll spend a moment, we'll dig through it, and then we'll move on. Heck yep. Yeah. Okay. So the three plot lines in this one are very unbalanced because Prue gets like a good amount of individual screen time and Phoebe gets a good amount of individual screen time, Mm -hmm. but Piper gets none. Yeah. (laughs) Which is not my favorite. But um, that's okay because the next episode, no spoilers, uh, is going to feature Piper very heavily. Okay, I'm really excited. I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm so excited. <laughs> okay, okay. So, but we'll we'll get to that mm-hmm. when we get mm-hmm. to that. Mm-hmm. You know, next time, next installment. Um, but essentially, the three are giving their different perspectives on their father. Yes. Having abandoned them ostensibly at a very young age, mm-hmm. and now he's come back into their life. Um, while they're dealing with a curious home invasion problem. Mm -hmm. And is it a coincidence that he's there at the exact same time as somebody is trying to steal the Book of Shadows? Questionable. Questionable. And then it's not questionable at all because it's not a coincidence. No. Uh, uh, Spoiler alert. (laughs) Yeah. Well, Um, we're assuming you've seen this. Yes. I'll just say it again just so that we're clear. This is the third episode of our um, podcast. So if you've been following along... Um, bi-weekly, then you should know by now. But if you don't know, uh, spoilers will happen. So stop now or forever hold your carrots. And peas. I like peas better. (laughs) 
Okay, that was funny. I've never heard that. Thank you. I thought of it just now. Should I be a comedian? <laughs> it it subscribes to my exact mode of humor, yeah, you told which me about is it. putting things where they're not supposed to be. And that's comedy. Yeah, no, it literally is comedy. I think I read some piece of writing, or maybe it was a book, by a comedian, and they were just saying that humor is basically saying something that the other person was not expecting. And that it's like challenging your expectations of what should be the following resolution to your sentence. Yeah, immediate juxtaposition mm-hmm. that you weren't expecting. Yeah. But I think your description is funny because it's also a little bit more niche, things where they <laughs> should not be. <laughs> yeah, if you like go to um, UBC or something and you know you see the teams the improv teams mm. it would it would just be me <laughs> I would be my own team <laughs> called things where they're not supposed to be um, okay so episode three yeah season one episode three thank you for not morphing so this you're not gonna do the thank you for not mighty morphin power ranger oh shoot God, I shouldn't do that, but I want to. Okay, I, this entire time, all I could think of was the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. And I don't know about you, but that stuff kind of scared me as a kid. Really? Um, yeah, it super did, because I had a really overactive imagination. Uh. Um, but I was like, how can they change? <laughs> do, they, do their bodies change into suits? Like, I didn't understand the concept of the Superman kind of thing. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Like I thought their entire composition oh. changed. Morph, morph. Yes, I, yeah, it's in the title. It's, it's in, in the word, yeah. And children I, have a very poor idea of concreteness. Yeah, <laughs> what is object, object permanence? That's it, that's mm-hmm. it. Wow, you're better at this than I am. Um, I got into this, oh sorry, I'm gonna say my thing. I got into Power Rangers a little bit late in the game. I feel like too old to be into Power Rangers. And I got into it the dino season when they all turned into dino. I think that's the best season <laughs> to talk about Ooh. in correlation to this episode. Yeah, you're actually right. Thank you. <laughs> okay, so season one, episode three, thank you for not morphing was uh, in the writing credits on IMDb it was created by Constance Umberge as usual as usual and it was written by Chris Levinson and Zach Estrin and directed by Ellen S Pressman mm. and uh woohoo we love a female director and Ellen S Pressman actually has directed episodes of so many of my favorite shows i was reading her credits on IMDb and she's done Buffy She's done Felicity. She's done Once Upon a Time. Oh, no. Which is my trash fire garbage. I dump it in a hole somewhere favorite. Yeah, I've seen it too many times. It's Have you really? Yeah, my mom was really into it. How have we never talked about this? Well, I don't know if we should. I don't know. Okay, this is not a Once Upon a Time podcast. <laughs> that show is, oh, it's done. <laughs> it's, it's buried. <laughs> Goodbye. Um, anyway. Yeah, so, uh, yeah. All right, uh, let's do it. Oh, and it, it, oh. it, sorry. When did it premiere? And it premiered on October 21st, 1998. We watched it on October 31st, 2018. Oh, yeah, we watched it on Halloween. Yeah, we sure did. It was good. Uh, it was real good. It was cute. Bryce and my uh, social plans now just involve each other. <laughs> Um, and I posted super cute pics to my Instagram, and then I looked at my Instagram, and I was like, Bryce, it, it looks like we're dating. You're in every picture. Um, I'm not mad about it. I'm not mad about it either, but I don't want to give the illusion. Oh, yeah, we're not dating. We're we not dating. platonic love. Oh, true. Yeah. Deepest platonic love. That's not, that wasn't meant to be funny. No. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you laughing? <laughs> Why are you laughing? So, yeah, so we watched it on Halloween, and then we went to the um, New York Halloween parade. It was very cute. Yeah, and your parents were there. And my parents were there. My parents listened to this podcast. <gasps> Shout them out. Susan and Scott. Um, and Sarah, my sister, who all ostensibly listened to this podcast, although my mom told me, the second episode seemed longer. And I was like, it it wasn't. It was shorter. It was shorter. And she's like, hmm, it just seemed longer. <laughs> <laughs> and no further comments. <laughs> and no further comments. No, they're very they're very nice. Thanks. Thanks, Mom and Dad. Okay. So let's get the heck. Yeah, into we gotta start it. rolling. 
Okay, so first things first, mm. first scene, they're walking out of their house and they're going across the street to the neighbor's party. Yes. Um, that's all I got to say about that. That's oh, all I got. <laughs> Prue really does not want to go. Um, mm-hmm. She makes a pointed comment about how some people have jobs. Uh, okay, we get it. <laughs> you, you make money. We get it. You've got a job. Well, I mean, that's mostly directed at Phoebe. That's true. Um, Piper's got a job. Piper does have a job. They're like successful. She owns. She runs a restaurant. Uh, well, sorry. Piper runs a restaurant. Prue is like an appraiser at this established um, auction house. Phoebe is apparently twenty-one and has just recently moved back from New York. Yeah, she's twenty-one. She is. I can. No. No. She's not. No. 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 Nobody looks that put together at twenty-one. She's not. No, no, no. I don't know who they're playing at, what they're trying to get at. Oh, shoot. I forgot to look up how old Alyssa Milano was when this was airing. Stick around next episode <laughs> when I look that up. That's the real hook. That's how we'll get yeah, them. Yeah, that's how we're going to get them. They but, couldn't just Google that. Mm, we'll hold out on those Wikipedia facts until the next episode. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so they go to the party. Prue doesn't want to go. Um, but they go anyway, and for some reason, Phoebe and Piper really just want her to stick around for a few more minutes. Why, you ask? It's like the parent trap. (laughs) It's because Andy Trudeau is also, I don't, like, are they neighbors too? Why is he at that party? He lives in San Francisco, Yeah, what is this social circle? I don't know. San Francisco is not huge, though. But it's not that small. No, it's not. It's just like, you can get around it. It's not like Los Angeles, in which it takes you, like, Oh, it's sprawling. It's Two sprawling. and a half yeah. hours to get from one side to the other. Okay. San Francisco, you can pretty easily, if you have a car, which it seems they all do. Yeah. I feel like you can pretty easily okay. navigate. So anyway, Andy is apparently at this party, and that's why Phoebe and Piper were insistent upon Prue attending. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they have a short conversation about something. Eh. It was very Seinfeldian. It was about yeah. nothing. Essentially, it was it was just a conversation to show that Prue is still uncomfortable with yes. the idea of dating Andy. And then they meet the neighbors at the same time. Yeah, well, they they know the neighbors. Right. Apparently, they we grew meet up. The neighbors. To, yeah, we meet the neighbors. Fritz, Marshall, and some the, the girl we don't actually learn her name in this scene. I don't think. I yeah, and we just never remembered it for any other later scenes. No. And neither do the characters. Nope. It's really funny, actually. <laughs> That's like the running gag. Yeah, the running gag is that the gal neighbor it just doesn't have a name. Um, it's in there somewhere, but it's a weird name. It's like Cinna or something. Oh, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Something like that. Sadie, Sadie, married lady. <laughs> I, don't, I don't remember. Um, okay, so there's nothing to talk about in the scene, right? Um, only that I want Piper's dress. And that Prue leaves early, and she goes back to the house. Yes. And um, she sees that the door is open. Ooh. But Ooh. she thinks it's not too suspicious. She thinks that maybe Phoebe, like, accidentally didn't lock yeah, it. Yeah, left it unlocked because Phoebe doesn't have a job, so she's <laughs> automatically irresponsible. Um, but instead, there's a dog in the house, and it's not just any dog it's a growly dog. It's a Rottweiler. It's a Rottweiler. <laughs> <laughs> it's a Rottweiler. It's a big one. It's a it's a big one, and he's like foaming at the mouth, yeah. and he's barking at her. And this fra- like this section of the scene takes way too long. Oh yeah, there's like a lot of too many cuts. Yeah, there's too many cuts back. There's too much back and forth of the dog growling and pi- uh, not Piper. Of the dog growling and Prue looking scared and backing away and the dog growling and Prue still backing away and the dog... Anyway, so it keeps going until Prue is out of, like, runs out of the house and the dog's eyes flash. Like magic. Like magic flash. Cujo, no. (laughs) Um, I'm going to say that so many times this episode. It's the alternate title. If we had a drinking game to go, which we don't. So if there were... A, drink responsibly. Yeah, but if there were a drinking game to go along with this, um, I would say it's going to be every time I use a Cujo reference, mm. just because I can. Um, pop an M&M or something, I don't know. Yeah. Something less uh, family inappropriate. Is drinking family inappropriate? I don't know I how don't to be know. an adult. Uh I know they're like people who talk about going to family like gatherings and like the adults drink and then they drink as well. I'm like, what? What kind of how how are families like that? Um, if you're in 
Okay. Total meandering. Oh, yeah. Oh, well. Oh, yeah, I'm just going to say this and move on. Okay. But I know that every single, like, big family gathering I would go to, a lot of them were on Jewish holidays. Ah. So everyone would have, like, wine or Manischewitz. Or maybe I'm just thinking about Passover, in which you're supposed to have wine Mm -hmm. so you can do the ten plagues, et cetera. Um, That's different, though. I've heard of people saying that they go to family gatherings and there's, like, beer pong. What? Yeah. What? Yeah. Who's? That's, like, a thing for some people. Oh, my God. I can't imagine. No. I want to imagine, like, my grandpa playing beer pong now. I want to imagine my elderly Asian <laughs> relatives <laughs> into a, 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 a rousing game of um, King's, King's Cup. Cup. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that would be great. Okay. Uh, all right. We should just... This is... This is not going yeah, well. Yeah, it's rambling again. All right, so um, they go, and there's a dog, and then she leaves. Yeah. And then we oh, 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 um, one um, thing we did, we missed, was a, a reference to the Warriors game. Oh. Which lets you know we're in San Francisco. Apparently someone's a Dubs fan. Yeah. Is, I learned that slang recently. Is your family, oh, you're not from Northern no, California. No, I sure am not. Oh, my family's a big Warriors fan. Oh. Yeah, I'm. I'm not. I don't know how to look at a sport and analyze it for pleasure. I've seen many a sport and they have been enjoyable, but I don't I don't follow it. Cool. Okay. So anyway, uh, we cut to the credits and then we move to the sisters back in the home and they're talking about what had just transpired the night before, mm-hmm. which was Prue finding the dog in the house and then having to beat it the heck out of there. Yeah, and that's pretty much it. Yeah. Other than it's San Francisco. I, this is a constant thing that after the credits, or a consistent thing mm-hmm. after the credits, we get this montage. Yeah. Of the San Francisco skyline. So this is just gonna happen. Oh, add this to the drinking game, San Francisco. Uh, mm. We're all gonna be dead. Um, and then I I just found it weird that they like cut from the credits to immediately the sisters back in the kitchen. And yeah. Like no mention like how did they get the dog out? How did they both all? You're get right. Oh, you're right. That's a big old plot hole. Yeah, and it's like nobody seemed worried that there was a random stranger dog that was growling and, like, you know, not friendly. No, Prue's just more worried about chastising Phoebe. Yeah, and that's she was it. like, lock the doors next time. All right, whatever. So yeah. now we move to Prue's place of work, and while she's there, some man appears at her desk and says that he wants to get his ring appraised. Yeah, and um, the collar's too tight on his on his. Yeah. What is it? Blouse? Blouse? What do you call that? Button up. <laughs> Fuck, I don't uh, know. There's really nothing important about the scene except that we learn the identity of this man at the very, very end. Yeah, which is he is Prudence's father, as mm-hmm. he says. Um, and then, of course, she gets very upset mm-hmm. because he hasn't been in their life at mm-hmm. all. He left. She didn't recognize him at first. No. She didn't recognize him at all. And that's that's just scary, yeah. sad thing. Um, well, it's just... And that, of course, isn't saying that, like, divorced families have an inherently sad quality about them. That's not true. That's just what this show is going for, mm-hmm. really, that there was a huge, huge, mega um, dramatic split. Yeah. Well, this whole series about family, and so... Most of the conflict will stem from family drama. Mm-hmm, exactly. Um, and then also, just wanted to mention in the scene that Prue does a weird appraisal of the ring. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like her analy- her analysis, <laughs> analyzing? Her analytics. Um, her analytics. <laughs> Google Analytics, provided by Prue Halliwell. <laughs> so her analysis of the ring is like, there's two stones which means duality. Wow, Prue. <laughs> wow, wow, wow. And, and, or um, the Egyptians believed that it would ward away bad spirits. And I was like, thanks for being really specific. Um, I also, yeah. also want to add that if you, had, if you had watched this entire scene again, but had omitted the part where where the dad finally admits that he's the father, that would have been a really scary scene. Because all of his, like, mannerisms, all of the, like, ominous ways he would, like, be leading her to say something would have been, like, could have easily read as a different 
I don't know, action. He could have been a, I mean, I don't know. It's very weirdly aggressive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was, and like, if he, if he had not been the dad, that would have been a very scary, like, moment. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I'm still creeped out by him. Mm-hmm. So what we get from this scene is dad is bad. And Prue says, I would never leave my responsibilities to my family, which is basically her character in a nutshell. Mm. Okay. Um, so now the sisters talk about their dad yes. and they're outside enjoying a cup of coffee. Cup of coffee. <laughs> enjoying the scene of the trolley ah, car. Is this San Francisco? I think it's actually San Rafael. Oh. Yeah. Might mm. be Sausalito. <laughs> Uh, okay. I'm just displaying my immense knowledge of Northern California yes. geography. We're from California. Yeah. Um, okay, so they talk about the dad, and Prue's like, I don't trust him. Why is he here so soon after we got our powers? We, d- we should not let him back into our lives. And then the other sisters are like, we never had him in our lives. We would mm-hmm. like to at least get to know him. We want yeah. to. And by the way, in the previous scene, their dad had invited all three of them to dinner. That's what he told Prue to pass on to her sisters. And she doesn't want to go. And Phoebe and Piper are like, we want to go. Yeah. And I, I wanted to say that there's actually a little break, I think, from tradition in the scene in which there's a lot of miscommunication in these kinds of uh, uh, shows in which someone purposefully conceals information. Mm-hmm. But Prue very directly tells... Yeah. The sisters, like, oh, yeah, he's right. here, which I, I just thought that was interesting because you would, because it's the kind of thing that, like, mm-hmm. usually I would expect her not to tell them and just mm-hmm. be evasive about it, and I would yell at the screen and be like, communicate, gosh darn it, but she does, yeah. and she's very clear. Yeah, I maybe that could be like just a nod to how much communication, how reliant these sisters are on each other. Like, mm-hmm. they really need to be honest with each other. Or it could just be the writer saying, like, we got to move this plot along. Yeah, totally. we got to expositionalize, <laughs> as they say. Um, so, yeah, so Prue has the strongest memory of him and therefore it d- just doesn't want to attach herself to him ever again because, well, she's afraid of losing that again. Mm-hmm. And she just doesn't trust them. And... Um, Piper and Phoebe both have never had him in their lives. They Mm -hmm. can't remember him at all. So, of course, they want to know who he is. Um, Okay, I think that's really all that we need to say about this scene. So the next scene, I'll just set it up real quick. Uh, Phoebe decides to go see her dad early, um, just against Prue's wishes. And she goes and finds the the hotel room that he's staying at. And... I hate this scene. Yeah, so she enters upon him getting a massage. <laughs> yeah, and oh, the way he invites her in, he says, entree. Ooh, I did not catch that. Yeah. But that's gross. It made me very upset. <gasps> I don't know why. Maybe it was pretentious. Maybe it was incorrect. Maybe it's because he's a bad dad. Ah. Yeah. Um, but he's, yeah, he's there like half naked. Getting a massage. Getting a massage. It's really uncomfortable. But Phoebe barrels forward because she wants to get to know him. Yep. Um, so they basically just talk about how he wants to get back into her life, and she's very all for that. And then they hug, and she gets a premonition. Yeah, she gets a premonition, a vision of him holding the Book of Shadows um, and doing a creepy smile. Yeah. yeah. Bad dad. Yeah, and she's like, I'm just going to ignore that. Yeah, she's like, I got to go but she takes it in stride she yeah. kind of ignores it she's like nope you know what my need to get to know my mm-hmm. absent father is stronger than these premonitions that i've only just started mm-hmm. having so sometimes they might be inaccurate yeah totally that it's a good it's a good point like the thing is i'm not really sure again the rules of phoebe's mm-hmm. magic because sometimes she says she knows the names of people in oh, her yeah. visions, even though the audience doesn't get that clue. Yeah. And her visions, for the most part, are largely visual and not oral. Uh, so we don't really get those clues. Yeah. Um, and then I will say that for this vision, which we learn later, it was cut off. Yes. The vision can extend. Yeah. 
so helpful, not helpful. She can't control him. All right. We're just at that stage. Okay. So then we move to the next scene, which is... The mailman. (gasps) Hey, hey, Mr. Postman. Hey, 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 Mr. Postman. Hey, Mr. Postman. That's not a key. (laughs) Oh, I forgot. Yeah. Okay. This... So there's supposedly a mailman just going up to the house, except he's evil. Yeah, he's got that creepy smile. Yeah. He um, strides right up to the door, holds up his index finger, and we all watch. I watched in horror as it transformed into a metal key on the tip of his finger. It was the grossest thing. It reminded me of the Spy Kids claymation kind of like prosthetics. Oh. Um, it's just gross. Basically, it's just it's severely unpleasant. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, yeah, especially if you can imagine. Especially if you like didn't think about his finger turning into a key, and more of there's a finger that just been smashed into the or a key that's been smashed into the end of his finger. Yeah, like that could be another gross way of visualizing because that's it just looks bad. Anyway, yeah, he sticks it into the door and he gets his way in. Yeah, so we've got some body horror going on. Oh, that's exactly what this is. <laughs> so um, yeah, Mr. he gets Racerhead. in and he he we don't know who he is. No, and he runs up to the attic and he tries to take the book of shadows um, with some great physical acting here oh yeah of uh you know the book of shadows resisting his attempts to get it past the front door Mm -hmm. by tugging itself back into the house Mm -hmm. and so he's just struggling with this book for a while (laughs) this actor has no speaking lines no no this actor has no lines this actor didn't get his sag card i guess (laughs) but he sure can do that body physical activity yeah i guess he's they chose him for his uh mime ability uh, you know what he yeah. kind of looks like if he had the face paint on he could be a mime he totally could be he reminds me face. of this interview i heard with doug jones mm. um on his being cast in buffy for an episode in which he had absolutely no speaking lines and he went up uh to to audition and Joss Whedon was there, and he just said, okay, so I want you to mime cutting out the heart of a man <laughs> and smile as big as you can the whole time. And that's it. That that was the audition. So I wonder if this audition for this part was, can you mime being an evil mailman whose finger turns into a key <laughs> and then struggling to bring uh, an animate book out of a house? And he was like, this is the job for me. <laughs> Handpicked. Um, all right, so he struggles, and then he can't do, he can't quite get the book out of the house. I guess there's some protective spell around it. Yeah. Or around the manor, maybe? Around the book, around the manor. There's something. There's something about the house itself mm-hmm. in which the book can't leave. So he looks back out the door, and he realizes that Prue is about to come back. And mm-hmm. he's like, oh, shit. So he shuts the door, and he throws the book throws of shadows. Throws the book, and then he morphs. He morphs into Andy. Ugh. Which we just talked about, but I I think it's great when it's an actor playing another actor playing their character. Yes. It's like Hermione. Yes. And um, yes, yeah. Bellatrix Lestrange, mm-hmm. in which Helena Bonham Carter played Emma Watson playing. Yeah. Helena Bonham Carter. And then earlier in that series, when it was, uh, what's their names? Crabs and Oh, Crab and Goyle, yeah. Crab and Goyle, and those two boys who play those characters were playing their characters being played by Ron and Ron and Harry. And I was like kind of impressed with that, because they were young at that time. And I was like, Mm -hmm. that's a lot of range. This is a different sort of range, I think. (laughs) Um, The best acting we've seen from T.W. King, in which (laughs) Prue comes in and and T.W. King jumps. He goes, whoa! I didn't see you there. It's so good. Oh, evil mailman as Andy. I love it. Um, so they have this conversation in which Prue tells not Andy that uh, she decided she can come with him mm, to yes. the Warriors game. Oh, that's what they were talking about. Yeah, that's about. what it was. Oh, okay. um, and my alarm bells went off in my head because I was like, oh, no, now it's going to be the miscommunication of she actually likes him, but he doesn't know because it wasn't 
him. Right. There was it someone was impersonating him. But they don't actually come back to that at all. A couple of loose threads yeah. in this uh, episode. But we got to keep moving, I think. Yes. So after that whole scene, um, which I don't think there's anything more important to talk about. Um, no, not really. Uh, so I think the next important thing that happens is that the rest of the sisters come home. Uh, not Andy beats it the heck out of there. I said that phrase twice in this episode. I am from apparently the 19, early 1900s. Um, beats it the heck out of there is an early 1900s Doesn't phrase? it sound like something like, you know, like, uh, why I oughta beat it the heck out of here, kid? Yeah. Okay. I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's period accurate. Oh, uh, whatever. Anyway, it's it's far too old of a phrase for me to be using multiple times in one hour. <laughs> anyway, so then all the sisters come home and they talk about how they should probably hide the book because it was found just lying around on the floor and no one could figure out what happened and they're like, this is the second time that someone's, oh, and the attic had been busted into. Oh yeah, and the mailman guy, oh, man, Mr. Postman, he kicked in the door. Yeah, um, he kicked in the door, wow. That was some pure good action right there. <laughs> so they talk about how they that people have been trying to steal their book twice now, or at least suspicious things have been happening in their house, so maybe they should hide the book. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Phoebe and Piper resolve to go to dinner, and Prue says, not for me. Yeah, and, and, and they discuss that maybe uh, Dad knows that they're the charmed ones. Oh, yeah. And that's when Piper says, isn't the craft a chick thing? Yes. Um, passed down through like female lineage, and I, I don't know if that's true. Um, I don't think it is. No, because they're male witches. Yeah, so I don't... It, okay, as far as we know, that's not actually accurate. But what I did think when I heard that, I was like, it's like Judaism. Which I did not know, so I learned something new that day. Yeah, yeah. Judaism is technically, or according to tradition, it's passed down through the mother. Um, which is cool. Yeah. But also leads to some problems when thinking about... The binaries of gender. True. And how they should not necessarily govern our lives if we don't want them to. But anyway, that's a longer conversation. All right. Moving on to the next scene, which is... Dinner. Uh, dinner. Okay. So uh, Phoebe and Piper make it on their resol- mm-hmm. resolution to go to dinner. And they're there with the dad. And it's highly awkward. It's super awkward, especially when the dad says, this feels right. Right? You know, looking for confirmation. Yeah. Or si- I don't know what he's it is. Fishing. He's He's fishing. And in my mind, it's very unsuccessful. But Piper and Phoebe are just so, it looks, they're just so happy yeah. to Phoebe, be able to connect. Phoebe's enamored. And she says later on in the episode that she had romanticized the relationship. Mm-hmm. Just idealized. She had idealized it. Yeah. Romanticization. Ideal, mm-hmm. Idealization in which uh, here's a figure who's so shadowy mm-hmm. in her memory but is someone who's supposed to take yeah. on the role of being a, a caregiver and a protector and evidently it seems as though phoebe was really missing that mm-hmm. in her life not, she, yeah not necessarily a dad yes but just someone who would listen to her and look out for her and who wasn't her same age yes she went to new york to find her dad. Mm-hmm. So this is like a really big moment for her. I forgot. That's a huge deal. Yeah. This is this is like probably one of the biggest moments in her life besides turning into a witch. Yeah. Dang. I hadn't I hadn't even remembered that. Um so I guess the next scene after that is Andy and Prue. Um, so Andy comes by the manor that Prue is at because she decided to stay home and not go to d- the dinner. And this is real yeah. Andy. Prue decided to just make some broccoli. Yeah. Just a big Tupperware <laughs> of broccoli. And I, I really related. <laughs> I love when people do normal things in television or movies. <laughs> Very unglamorous things. Yeah, that's exactly it. Just like routine day-to-day stuff. Yeah. So if I keep making broccoli... I'm going to look like Shannon Doherty, too. And that's what we learned. And that's what I want. Uh, so Andy and Prue have a little chat, a little chit-chat. Yeah. And Andy is a very, like, good conversationalist. He seems to be. He seems to be putting on an effort to be, like, more natural. I Just, oh. like, acting-wise. Oh, okay. It I seems... See. Okay. A little tangent. But it seems like he's 
Well, uh, first of all, his dress is just more like casual. Right. He's got a yeah. black t-shirt. Mm-hmm. Love it. Um, toothpick. Toothpick. Yeah. That's what I mean. He's doing like actor work. Oh. Essentially, where he has something to use. Yeah. Um, which uh, like is trying to give the impression that this is a much more realistic kind of natural scene. Oh. As a non-actor, that was fascinating to listen to yeah. you speak on. Um, I should mention, I was only an EMC candidate once. Long gone. <laughs> but she's been in many a production. Yeah, but also don't trust me. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, he does seem like a very good conversationalist and and gives some good advice, I think. Yeah, he's got a good head on his shoulders, I think. He's a solid person. Yeah, so the, I think this is my favorite scene of Andy yet. Great. Um, so he basically just convinces her that she needs to go at least confront her dad. Yeah, she needs to communicate rather than just bottling things up because she has the ability to say to him what she's always wanted to say. And instead of sitting here and talking to Andy about it, she has the opportunity to go say it directly Mm -hmm. to the perpetrator. Because I remembered when I first watched the scene that this was the most vulnerable I have seen her character because Mm -hmm. throughout the opening part of this episode I was like oh wow she really doesn't like her dad like she really just wants him out of there and then in the scene she confesses like I wish that he could be there I just want it to be normal I want to have that relationship with him but I don't know if it's if it's possible anymore and I was like she's that's really sad yeah no it was really sad and very realistic and I I think an important part about this episode, again, like we we look at a lot of different things in these episodes, and overall the monsters so far have not been the most important part, mm-hmm. except for maybe the first episode. I would say the first episode is the most about specifically occult things right. and about the monsters being the real enemy. Right. Um, second episode, it was really Piper battling herself. Mm-hmm. And this third episode is such a, a family melodrama, really. It's it's not, again, the, even though we have maybe the most interesting like antagonists thus far, it's still not really about them. It's about reconciliation, mm-hmm. and it's about communication, mm-hmm. and saying the things you've always wanted to say, and asking the questions you didn't think you'd ever get an answer to, and how you confront those things. That's a really good point. Part of it might be because there's no overarching plot line yet. Yeah. There's no, like, grand evil. There's no big bad. Yeah, no final boss. No final boss. We've got no final boss yet. Yeah, and that's true. And I think that's true of 90s television. And actually, a lot of television up to that point, not just 90s. Mm. Um, But first we figure out that we actually have, like, a world that we can keep returning to. Mm Mm-hmm. And then we figure out that we have a plot that can happen over a span of a season. Right, right. Rather than just individual episodes, because that's how television is most easily made. Right. Yeah. They go and talk to, or Prue decides to go to the dinner, and then what's the most interesting thing that we need to talk about in this moment? Prue comes in guns blazing. She comes in guns blazing. She's like... Why are you here? Yeah. Get the, get the heck. Why are you actually here? And uh, Piper, true to form, who wants dessert? <laughs> um, and then we find out that their dad knew the entire time that they have powers. Yeah, because he trips a waiter. Yes. Um, so Piper will be forced to use her powers, um, which I would have just let it fall, you know. Yeah, but, I, you know, she just wants to... She wasn't thinking. It happened so quickly. No, it's a reaction. Yeah. It's a re- Piper is a fixer. The important thing is that we learned the dad has known, and now they got to go talk in private about this. Yeah. Don't you think there's a better setting to talk about this? Um, and then the next thing that we learn is the shapeshifters are shapeshifters. Oh. <laughs> so I might have jumped into that a little early, but we're pretending that you guys have already seen this episode. We're not pretending. You guys have seen it, right? 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 Mm-hmm. Okay. It seems as though Piper and Phoebe are sitting in the room, but then they shapeshift yep. into the neighbors. Yep. It's Marshall and Fritz and that gal, Sida? Sida? Cinda? Cinda? Well, this entire time, the neighbors have been shapeshifters, and they were the ones who were trying to steal the book, and that's really all that's important to say. Yep. 
And so we get, uh, I think, the most complex villain plot so far. Yeah. Uh, and I think that just so we don't have to keep revisiting like small scenes, we should just lay it on the table right now. The shapeshifters say that they want the book because they want the powers in it, but they're too weak at this moment to fight the sisters without the book, because I guess the book gives them extra strength. So they want to rope in the dad at some point. Yeah, and I think they have already been working with the dad. And this is when we get the dad's name, Victor. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so we keep referring to him as the dad or bad dad, but it's it's Victor. All right, so um, yeah. then <laughs> the sisters and the dad, I mean Victor, are back at the Hallow Manor, and they're mm-hmm. just talking um, about memories. And then I think we should just combine this entire scene with the times that they cut back to the scene. Yeah. Okay, so we just keep cutting back and forth between the girls and the dad in the Hallowell Manor, and then across the street, the neighbors, the shapeshifters, talking about their evil plan. Yes. And that's how we learn that the book is intrinsically tied to their powers, and we learn that the charmed ones are not at their full powers yet. Yes. Oh, yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so during these two dual scenes, the shapeshifters talk about perhaps using the dad or teaming up with the dad to get the book. And then uh, at the same time, the sisters and the dad learn that the that Victor had this entire time come back into their life because he wanted the book as well. Yeah, and he wanted to take the book and destroy it, essentially. He wanted to get rid of the source of their powers mm-hmm. because of his knowledge that evil things were going to come for the girls mm-hmm. um, as soon as they were given their powers. And this is the most backstory we've gotten so far about the sisters, but basically uh, their mom died pretty young, when they were pretty young, and their grandmother raised them. And basically their grandmother, according to Victor, kicked him out because he wanted to hide the fact that they had magic in their blood from them. Mm-hmm. But apparently he did get his way because they didn't know. Yeah, so let's... So we don't know exactly how that happened yet. Yeah, and okay. I guess Graham's never told them. Graham's, Graham's never told them. Um, spoilers for oh, later in the don't series. Don't tell me. So I'm not going to say anything don't, because Bryce doesn't know and y'all probably don't know. Don't do it. Um, and then the biggest thing that happens next is that finally the sisters are like, we, like not just Prue, but Piper and Phoebe, they're like, maybe we don't trust you. Yeah. Maybe we don't want you back in our lives after all. Especially since he's maligning Grams. Yes. Um, so, and she's the woman who raised them. She's the woman mm-hmm. who loved them. And yeah. she died recently. And essentially, he's just a male presence coming back into their lives after years and years of absence and trying to tell them how to live. Yeah. And saying, like, that power you now have, eh, dangerous. You can't handle the power, <laughs> essentially. Um, and f- prove to prove that she has a lot of power and isn't afraid to use it, throws him in the most dramatic fashion possible across the room. Yeah, it's one of those things where, like, the, it's like two people spinning in a meadow, yeah. and the camera faces the one person, yeah. and then the camera faces the other yeah. person as they're spinning, and it's like the point of view of the other person spinning. That's what it is. Um, except it's the... It lasts for, like, a minute. It lasts, yeah, too, too long. long. Um, so she, she throws him with her mind powers against the wall, and he's like, you could have just told me to leave and then it's so dramatic too that line takes such a long time (laughs) sigh you could have sigh just told me to leave so he makes his exit and then the uh phoebe and piper are like oh you could have we why did you have to throw him and they're mad at prue now and prue's like what i just what i thought we were all in agreement and that's how that scene ends yeah and so then we go um Shapeshifters visit the dad. This is the most soap opera-y it's been, Mm. in which the shapeshifters are conspiring with the dad. Yes. And the dad has to convince them not to kill him. And he's like, but wait, (laughs) if you kill me now, you'll never be able to get close to Phoebe, and then she'll never be able to let you in and get the book. Because what they want to do is they want to impersonate the dad and get close to the sisters and steal the book. And the dad's like, oh, they hate me. The only way you could possibly get in now is by convincing Phoebe to like me again. And you'll never do that unless you, like, specifically copy only the mannerisms and stuff that I know, and you can't do that if I'm dead. Yeah, and you can't 
uh, give the like the little bits of knowledge right, that will right, signal right. to push Phoebe. Push her buttons. Yeah. Oh, that's right. You don't know how to push her buttons. I know how to push her buttons, which is weird because he left he when she was a, an infant. Yeah, he doesn't... You don't know them, Victor. Yeah, but he's... Right now, he's just bluffing. That's true. So... Uh, All yeah. right. So anyway, they make this plan where they're going to team up. The dad... I mean, Victor convinces the shapeshifters to let him live. And now the sisters have one last talk. Um, not one last, but they have another talk. And mm-hmm. in this one, Phoebe confesses that she had had a premonition earlier in the episode yes. <laughs> about uh, their dad stealing the book. And she was like, you guys were, uh, Prue, you were right. He's yeah. bad. You were right. I just didn't want it to be true. Yeah. Essentially, which was heartbreaking. That, yeah. Oh. She... I think she's normally the one who's okay with hard truths. Mm. She's never afraid to confront those emotional realities. But this one, she hid it from herself. I think she is. Okay. Phoebe is very confrontational, but she's also thoroughly optimistic. Ah. So she wants to see the good in a situation. She Mm -hmm. wants to see the truth, of course. This is true. But she really wants to see the best of a situation. And I think this is the first time that her premonition has betrayed her in that way yeah because it shows her a truth that is very helpful to her but Mm -hmm. it's not actually something she wants Mm -hmm. yeah 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 and that's a hard thing to deal with like how do you deal with something that is real or i mean that is told to you and you have to accept as truth but you really 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 do not want it yeah especially if it makes you admit something that you've been ideally idealizing for a long time was incorrect it's kind of like you have to tell yourself to that you have to lose this battle you have to give up on this dream yeah it sounds like a breakup Uh, yeah all right we we got to keep plugging. We're so close to the end. Okay. I like I like how you're the person who is always pushing us along. Well, I got to get to a dinner later. I know. Without me. I love you. <laughs> no. It's okay. Don't do it. Okay. Um, so, yeah. Didn't want the premonition to be true. Okay. Okay. So, we're at the next scene. Scene 17, I'd like you all to know. There's 17... <laughs> Scene so far. And um, Relevant. this scene is extremely foreboding. And the neighbors are leaning up against the car, watching right. Victor go up to Phoebe. <laughs> and one of them has a baseball in yeah. a minute and is throwing it very threateningly. Um, and we don't know yet whether the dad is truly on the sides of the shapeshifter or shift shifters or whether he um, really does care about the sisters. Except when he gets to Phoebe, he tries to tell her about the shapeshifters. Yeah. Um, and he tries to tell her, you know, you have to get the book yeah. out of the house because these guys are coming for you. So now we know. Now we know. And this is where she gets the end of her premonition. Right, right. The, the part that had been kept from her. Thanks, premonitions. I guess they also just enjoy drama. Yeah. They must be Libras. <laughs> Sorry, what were you going to say? <laughs> the premonitions themselves are Libras. <laughs> That's funny. Um, okay. So uh, Phoebe scoots up into the house, but it's too late because now the neighbors are coming in. The door was unlocked. You know, oh, I yeah. baked cookies. This whole thing, they're closing in on her, yeah. essentially. And she's the only one who knows what's going on. But she yells really quickly to Prue, essentially, they're shapeshifters. He was telling the truth. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to run upstairs. And and then they come in. And there's this really weird little moment of um, the gal going, I baked cookies. And Phoebe's like, uh-huh. And the gal's like, uh-huh. <laughs> And then Phoebe <laughs> runs upstairs. I didn't even remember. It was, it, was very, it was a very silly insert reaction <laughs> but shot. But who among us have not had that interaction before? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I'm going to go now. <laughs> That's exactly what it was. So Phoebe runs up to the attic, gets the Book of Shadows, mm-hmm. and she says, I don't even know what I'm looking for. And then a mysterious wind blows the Book mm. of Shadows to the correct spell. And um, Phoebe does her best to memorize the spell and gives a very convincing... I'm memorizing face in which her eyes kind of roll back in her head. And I just thought it was a good acting, Alyssa Milano. <laughs> I could really tell you were concentrating hard. 
Um, so then yeah. she runs back down, spell ready, and now, now the shapeshifters have given up the the ruse. The ruse. That's the word. Um, and they're like, we're shapeshifters, uh, and we want the book. And also, now there are two dads. Yeah, so essentially, they have to figure out which dad is real. And yep, so that old trope. Yeah, and one of them is like, you used to be afraid of the dark. Oh, that's silly. Anyone could say that. Everyone's afraid of the dark. Not Prue. Prue is never afraid. So they're essentially just trying to one-up yeah, each other. Yeah. Um, and so they have this banishing spell but apparently this banishing spell would work on all of them. And that's the issue is that the dad would also be killed yeah. if Phoebe uses it. Yeah. Um, so Prue signals to the dad the ring, which is conveniently placed right there. Yeah. Remember the ring that we planted at the very beginning. If you put the ring on, then that means that you'll be protected. Because of the old thing about how Egyptians said that the duality of the stones will cause With, protection. Yeah, protection against spells, That's specifically. Um, so there's some ahistorical mumbo-jumbo <laughs> for you. But anyway, it works. Mm-hmm. Um, he puts it on, and apparently it's still very painful for him, but he survives. He does and, a bunch of, like, writhing. Yeah, we, we've got some... <laughs> wavy wacky inflatable arm tube man yeah. um some great physical acting yet again mm-hmm. and this little like i can't it's a little like shimmy yeah. like oh it's it's hurting <laughs> shimmy shimmy <laughs> um but the the shapeshifters are melted into goo yeah um oh mm-hmm. shapeshifter death oh how many jeremy's how many jeremy's uh honestly because they had to add in the second dad, dramatic, mm. four Jeremy's. Yeah. Oh, so the plot device is worth a, that boost. Well, I think it. I think it's part of the death. Oh, ooh, interesting. Yeah, I guess it raises the stakes. I guess I envisioned the whole final battle as as the death. Okay, yeah. so you're going with that. I would go with like. Uh, I'm still not super impressed. I would say three Jeremy's mm. because there are three of them mm-hmm. and each of them deserve one Jeremy. We don't have a real rubric here. There's what no. are you talking about? <laughs> I've got it right here. It's written down right here. But anyway, they save the dad. Yeah, they save the dad. Uh, nothing important after that except, or sorry, for this scene. And then yeah. we move to the sisters having another chat because we always have to reconvene with the sisters in yeah. between um, dramatic revelations or moments. Yeah, I think every single episode so far has ended with the three of them. Which, I mean, that's how I want it to be. It's the power of three. Yeah, um, I I agree. They're the most important part, of course, of this show, mm-hmm. and I really appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Uh, no romantic or demonic plot has gotten in the way of their connection. Mm-hmm enough so that the end can't solidify them again Mm -hmm. um yeah so essentially phoebe admits that you know i don't think he's gonna stick around because we accept that the dad was a good enough guy that he was trying to protect them from the demons we don't really investigate how he got linked to them in the first place though yeah another Uh, loose end yeah this this episode despite being super centralized around the manor had a lot of loose ends Mm mm-hmm um, and I think they did get to show a lot of vulnerability, mm-hmm. especially for Prue and for Phoebe. Piper had her episode last week, I guess, so yeah. they didn't really focus on yeah. her much at all. And she didn't really have as much of a complex, no. I think. It, she did have her little interjection of, um, no, I really want to see him. Yeah. And then also an interjection again defending grams right but that's yeah piper didn't really get much in that episode well i mean like prue has daddy issues partially because i knew you're gonna say i know and i I cringed (laughs) before you said it i gave you plenty of time to (gasps) brace yourself i know thank you but i think it's partially because she knew him the most and also she has this feeling that she is now an authority figure for her family, and so she's taking, she's stepping in for him, and I think she holds a grudge against him for that. Phoebe has issues because she knew him the least, maybe, yeah. and she also needs that support, that figure of 
fatherly figure <clears throat> the most of the sisters. She's the one who went to New York to chase him. And mm-hmm. I don't think Piper has as much of a, a, like, a need as either of them. No. Yeah, you're totally right. And if she does, she's kept it pretty much on the down low. True. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So Phoebe says she no longer has a romanticized vision of him anymore, mm-hmm. which is a breakthrough. Sad breakthrough. Good breakthrough. And um, It's a breakup. It's a breakup. And so the family's all back together, the the important members of the family. And then we get the first appearance of Leo. Which I don't know yet no, why he no, is no. I, important. You don't. I just got really excited when I saw him on screen. I was like, oh! But the way they introduced him, you could get the sense that he is going to be a recurring character. Yeah. And he's just the handyman. I typed in handyman into my notes app and it autocorrected almost a handsome man. <laughs> Yes. Which yeah, is accurate. That is true. He's cute. Yeah. He's real cute. He's a cutie. I was talking recently to my friend, because I'm on a Gilmore Girls rewatch, mm-hmm. and I was saying, I realized my bisexuality is like this. I find all sorts of women and, like, uh, gender nonconforming people super attractive. Like, I, I don't have a type at all. And then with men, I'm attracted to Milo Ventimiglia, and, like, <laughs> that's it. But I also realized... It's it's because of like Gilmore Girls, and then with with uh, Leo, who's played by Brian Krause, it's like oh, it's Leo! Like he's super mm-hmm. cute because I remember him. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so we won't say anything more about that. But I Phoebe's cannot. into him. <laughs> okay, that's all I know. Yeah, all we know is that Phoebe was like, yeah, I'll show you where the whatever is. <laughs> the attic. Yeah, I'll show you where the attic is. Yeah. Uh, okay, and the other important thing that happens is this in the scene is that their dad doesn't come back no he just sends them a tape yeah they're supposed to have dinner again mm-hmm. um and he bailed and he sends them a letter with a tape attached and they're like well not unexpected but disappointing nevertheless nevertheless yeah and um yeah and i think that signals to us that the dad is really just he's going to stay the least important part of this family yeah Essentially, and they have each other to rely on. But then they are watching the VHS tapes, the home movies mm-hmm. from the 70s in which the dad has these wild, fake really mutton chops. Yeah, could have done about it. <laughs> yeah, very, it, it dated it very purposefully. Yeah. Um, but it's a, it's a very sweet ending of yeah. just watching this home movie of all of them as kids at Christmas. Mm-hmm. Uh, just... Um, unwrapping presents and hanging out and uh now they have this actual visual picture of all of them together rather than just photos around the house in which the dad has been ripped out of those photos um and uh it's it's just a sweet a sweet it's like a bittersweet ending yeah definitely i would say that yeah and that's the third episode. There you have it, folks. Woo! We did it yet again. Wow, we Against made it. all odds. I know. So um, anything we want to say to wrap this up? Anything you want to send our listeners off with? Um, I hope you all had a very happy Halloween. Oh, yeah. We're now into November. Um, we are. Oh, shoot. Yeah, we're into November. Gosh, 2018 is almost over. Um, and I have to say, this has been a wonderful part of my year. Yeah. So thanks so much. Don't forget to don't forget to give us a review. And if you give us a review, let us know you did so, so we can give you a jingle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thanks so much to everyone listening. Yes. Thank you to everyone who's already reviewed and rated. Yeah. And subscribed. And <laughs> subscribed. Um, I respect you, and I appreciate you. Yeah, and I'm really uh, confused that you're doing so, but I'm I'm very glad, mm-hmm. and I'm going to keep actively promoting this because yes, it makes yes, me real happy. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, go out, look out for each other, and be your own dad. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right, all right. Stick around for a song. Oh yeah, here's the song. Oh, this is. Oh shoot, I didn't say the thing about the song. The perspectives. Should we say that? Say it really quickly. Right okay, now. I'm gonna say it real quickly right now. So um. The first song, I've, I've not talked about this, but the first song I wrote was from Prue's perspective. Second song I wrote was from Piper's perspective. Now we've got Phoebe. 
I didn't even try to do that, but it's working out that way. So I guess the next song is going to be from um, the perspective of the cat. Thank you. Enjoy. Media. Audio for everyone.